Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in Revelation chapter 12. Not a long chapter, but a very dense chapter. Um, we really have one scene that we're looking at, but there's a lot of imagery, uh, symbolism, and whatnot that can make it difficult to, to get through, which is true of most of Revelation, of, of course. And this is the scene where we have the woman, the dragon, and the child. Okay. So let's see what we can come up with here. You see there's a great sign in heaven. So notice this is symbolism, nothing to be taken literal. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. So uh, the question here is, who is this woman? And there are options. Um, Catholic Church says it's Mary, because they, they see Mary everywhere. Um, and and but but that that's not it's not how the early church interpreted this uh that really doesn't come up till i think the fourth or fifth century uh where that interpretation is really given uh, uh but the two most prominent ones outside of that are uh that this represents the church uh or that it represents israel if if you had to or if i had to pick one I would, I would pick Israel. It is Israel that gives birth to the Messiah. And the uh, imagery of crowned with 12 stars uh, certainly gives uh, credence to that. Uh, 12 often is referenced to uh, the 12 tribes. Uh, but nevertheless, she, 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 she's depicted in a cosmic sense. Her, her, uh, she's clothed with the sun, moon under her feet, very cosmic imagery. And we see in verse 2, she's pregnant. She was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And so uh, already we see, whether it's the church or whether it's Israel, uh, kind of a mute point for now. Uh, but her giving the birth signifies that she's, she's giving birth to, to the Messiah. And another sign appeared in heaven. So we have a great sign. That's the woman uh, who's, who's clothed with the sun and the moon's on her feet. And then we have another sign. Um, and this is the great dragon. Um, a great red dragon. Uh, by the way, I believe the word red there is the same one used to describe war in chapter 6 with the uh, horsemen. Um, seven heads, ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. I believe those are connected with a story of Daniel where you have the, the little horn coming up and then you got the crowns and all, all that. The seven and the ten complete of uh, speak of fullness, completion, and stuff like that. Um, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. I think most think those are uh, stars is often a picture of angels. Um, so uh, divine beings. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Now, uh, what a lot of commentators do is point us back to the story of the Exodus, where Pharaoh tried to murder all the children, story of Herod, where he does the same, and passages like that. And I, I think that certainly is true, where the people of God have been, um, or at least the dragon's been at war with the people of God. Um, but I think it's more broad than, than just the attack on innocent children um, at, at, in the Exodus or in the birth of Christ. I, I think it's broadly speaking that um, the dragon has been in constant opposition against the people of God, whether it's Israel or the church. Um, and, and I think that's the way, at least the way I, I'm reading chapter 12, is the big picture is the dragon, which is clearly Satan, and the serpent, you know, the, the, the serpent of Ode, um, is at war seeking to conquer the people of God. Remember that 
uh, overcoming and conquering is a major theme in Revelation. We, we saw it yesterday, yesterday in chapter 11. Uh, we, we can go all the way back to chapters 2 and 3 with the uh, letters to the seven churches. He who overcomes, he who conquers, you know, I'll give him the crown of life, stuff like that. Um, so, so this is a major, major storyline in Revelation. Who will conquer the other? Uh, and so really, I think what you have in this picture is, is the, the age-old storyline of the seed of the woman, Genesis 3, and the seed of the serpent at, at war with each other. The first prophecy of the Bible is, after Adam and Eve fall, God says that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And so we have this conflict, this hostility, enmity, if you're a New American Standard reader, um, between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And I think that's illustrated here for us by uh, John. Um, and he stood before the woman uh, to, to, to devour the baby. Verse 5, she gave birth to a male child, clearly the Messiah, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. That's 42 months, three and a half years. All right? That's why I, I, I don't think this is literal here. So, so the 42 months... Uh, 1,260 days connects us to what we saw with the two witnesses. That's why I, I think there's some parallels here. So chapter 11 is the two witnesses. They do that for 1,260 days. The woman is in the wilderness for 1,260 days. The whole point is is to say that the church will continue to witness, but the church will be protected by God. This wilderness language is probably reminiscent of uh, the Exodus story, uh, where for 40 years... Uh, they are uh, protected in the wilderness from Pharaoh, the Canaanites, and, and, and whatnot. So, so I, I think it's picking up on that, that sort of imagery. But the main point is that the people of God, though under assault, are preserved by God. Verse 7, war rose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. Michael didn't show up a whole lot in the Bible, um, contrary to what we may think. The dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So there's a number of ways to read this, uh, um, especially if, if chronology is important to you. I don't think it's important to John. Uh, in fact, I think there's overlap with seals and trumpets, and sometimes they may be describing the same thing. Here, it may explain the downfall of Satan. So what you have is a war, whether literal or not, uh, that is between divine beings. Um, and then there is a casting down, a conquering of, uh, by God through Michael, who seems to in, in, instigate the war. Um, and, and now that war has come to us here down on earth. And I will say that is a very Jewish reading of, of history and of the Bible. And so what you get is the serpent in um, uh, the garden, right? You, you get divine beings at, at the flood with the Nephilim, the watchers, all that. And so, so we keep seeing these instances of, of where uh, we're at war, not just with the flesh and not just with the world, but also with the devil, um, and, and I suspect John is, is using this apocalyptic uh, genre to, to illustrate that for us. Now, why is this so important? It's because, remember, uh, John told, or Jesus told through John, 
the, the, the uh, um, seven churches, some of them have the synagogue of Satan in them, the synagogue of the dragon in them. And so Satan shows up in those letters. And what is it he's articulating here? Look, this, there is a cosmic war that has been waging, and it is now showing up in the world, just in your own personal struggle, just in, in, in the affairs of the world. Uh, and, and so in their struggle with persecution against the states... John is saying, look, this isn't just a political issue. It's a cosmic issue. It's a supernatural issue. We are engaging in spiritual warfare. And so verse 11, um, notice when speaking of the saints, right? So the accuser is coming down uh, for the people of God, for the woman, right? And it says, they, that is the people of God, they have conquered the dragon. How? by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony for they loved not their lives even unto death. So, so, so what he's saying here is that um, in surrendering our lives um, and in laying everything down for the sake of the gospel and being faithful over comfortable uh, we conquer. Remember that, that word is an important word in Revelation. How do the people of God conquer? It's not at the ballot box. It's, it's not in the bank account. It's not with degrees and careers and, 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 and whatnot. It is by the blood of the Lamb. The birth and the hope of the church is the blood of Jesus, who allowed himself to be conquered and by his resurrection conquers. So how do we conquer? We conquer by the blood of the Lamb. Well, this scene continues. I don't want to spend forever on this. There's a lot here, and it would be easy to be distracted. I really just want to read verse 17. The dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. I do think John is warning the reader here. He's explaining why uh, his first readers are suffering, and he warns them that uh, this isn't going to end anytime soon. Until Christ returns, a, a battle will be waging against the people of God. Um, and it is the dragon seeking to devour the offspring of the woman, whether that be Israel, the church, whatever. And so we live in that world today. Have you ever wondered how it is that, that, that the world seems seem so hostile to Christ? Here it is. There is a supernatural cosmic war going on. And the evil people will be led by the evil one to do evil things against the people of God. But our hope isn't here. It is in the world that awaits us. And we will conquer by the blood of the Lamb. That's good news, isn't it? Hope to see you guys here Monday.